is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a sickly episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Ruckman. With me this week is just my co-host, Chris. Ricky is also sick, but he actually couldn't make it. Uh, and honestly, we'll see how long I can check in for. I know I know that this episode is suspiciously close to 420, and you guys are like, I see what's going on. You know, you don't have to tell me. You know, we get it. Life's stressful. You guys uh, oh, just did, did what 30-year-old guys do. You know, you went out there, did your 420 thing. Not it. It just turns out that Texas is a hellscape of pollen and oak and all other bad things that nature tries to kill us with for destroying this planet. Uh, And as such, we feel bad. Do you have anything to add to that? (coughs) That particular piece of it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to actually do that this whole episode, but I do honestly feel real bad. So you really bear with us if the energy isn't as high this week, but we're going to power through it because there is a lot of pioneer news to talk about. So you'll just have to deal with the slightly sick Ruckman. Luckily, I have a definitely not overworked Chris here to keep that energy up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say how much I've worked because, you know, there's somebody out there who's going to be like, I've worked 60 hours a week for 50 years, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, hey, listen, I chose my line of work. Uh, I'm lucky to uh, to have a job, right? That's what I keep telling myself yeah. every day. Really, like I said, full episode this week. We are going to wrap up our thoughts on Streets of New Capetta spoilers. We're going to run down those weekly top eights, and we've got two very cool decks to talk about. One, a brand new deck. The other, kind of uh, an update to an old favorite of the Pioneer format. But before we talk about that, well... You know, we let's let's talk about some news this week, shall we, Chris? Let's do it. Of course, I think one of the biggest pieces of news we won't actually be able to cover until next week. That being that on Thursday, um, there is the announcement for what will be that new kind of placeholder format until Pioneer ever makes it to Arena. You know, I'm still I'll let them dangle the carrot a little longer, I guess. Yep. You know, but uh, until then, um, they're going to talk about the placeholder for it. Of course, Midweek Magic this week was just, hey, go play every Pioneer legal card that's on Arena right now with the Pioneer ban list, and we'll call that good. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly expecting that just to be kind of locked in going forward. We'll see what actually ends up happening. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we we decided that we're not going to get into some of the earnings report stuff too deeply because we don't know but the early the early indicators are that it wasn't the best and it's you know it's no surprise given what we've seen in digital and i remain unimpressed with anything they've done digital i think it's the worst thing since artifact remember artifact the dota card game yes i do yeah yeah that that was pretty short-lived but other than that i don't think anybody's done a worse job of managing their digital game than wizards of the coast has and uh i still don't have arena installed i don't care about half pioneer i think that if there was a clear roadmap and we hadn't been lied to at least twice then maybe i would you know but it still does not inspire me to log on to arena and play pioneer i'm gonna keep playing paper i have a solid friend group we play pioneer every single week just hanging out on our own and if that's not magic, then I don't know what is. And we're excited to try out some of these brews in, in paper. But, you know, I sure wish I sure do wish that I had a digital way to play magic that I really enjoyed. But, I, you know, I just don't. I don't. And some people do like MTGO is fine. There are, there are definitely things that are fine. But uh, I do want to be playing on Arena. It's just not not what I hope for. Very true. And of course, speaking of those earnings reports, which, again, um, I really want to dive into personally before I can really take mm-hmm. the time to talk about them. Yep. So we're not going to really get into it. But. Uh, there was a big announcement today that starting in, what is it, July, 
uh, start expecting to see uh, price increases of about 11% across the board on all your various booster packs. Um, things like Modern Horizon, Secret Layer, Challenger Decks, Universes Beyond won't be affected by those. The Commander Decks not as well, but mainly draft boosters, set boosters, collector boosters, bundles, and jump starts. Uh, boosters will see a price increase of 11%. Of course, that means that is a price increase to the distributors because Wizards does not... Well, Wizards claims there is no MSRP, right, because of their direct distribution to Amazon. You could kind of argue that that does set an MSRP precedent right. for other retailers to follow, but expect, you know, a buck or two, a buck or so increase on your pack prices and, uh, you know, a $5 increase on your... Um, Fat packs coming in July. Yep. Also, also of note, because of the increase in street price in Halo, uh, all digital products are going to increase by twenty five percent. You know, there you go. Because of that, because they feel like it. And of course, you know, pioneers no stranger to these price increases increases already. Because of course, if uh, you haven't been looking at prices. Uh, let's just say the speculators are going wild oh, yeah. on Pioneer at the moment. We're seeing massive price increases across the board on really every key linchpin card. I mean, I don't think Phoenix are at 20 bucks yet, but like Winota's crossed $20. A, I have to rewrite one of my budget deck lists for blue-black control upgrades because the play set of Thing in the Ice now costs $70. Oh, wow. Does it really? Uh, yeah, it is. Prices are wild right now. Pretty much, if you have, if your deck includes a uh, a rare from more than like three years ago, a, a linchpin rare from more than like three years ago, or a key mythic printed anywhere recently. Uh, they are on the price hike at the moment, uh, either just from people regularly buying in the front again, or just like set buyouts because like Chandra Nesh the Kill hit like sixty dollars over the weekend it is now like on the bat on the downward climb. But like yeah, it has been crazy right now, and I'm not gonna use this as an I told you so moment where. We've been saying this whole pandemic, you can pick up your cards. Uh, but if there are any like cards or decks that you are still on the fence about buying and really can swing it, I don't think prices are going to get much better than this until uh, quite a while from now. And again, we are not your financial advisors. I'm just looking where the market's growing. And I think this is more so, uh, in a lot of cases, the market playing catch up to what it should have been rather than a just straight buyout based what do you think yeah i think that you know this is definitely disappointing in general for those of for those people that don't remember i will tell you that if there is good news you know unfortunately i think you could build budget decks now and then if you're not a big competitive player wait till after the competitive season's over back in the day prices used to fluctuate obviously with the season so ptqs had different seasons you had extended which was you know i a pre-modern whatever you want to call it season standard season um, different seasons limited seasons and prices went up and down based on those seasons so we're about to hit pioneer season that's why the prices are what they are so if you don't have these cards you know hey you either got to get them or you don't if you don't have to get them play budget because once the pioneer season's over you'll see a lot of people looking to offload these cards because they won't have the reason to do it um, unfortunately we're also just in that world of buyouts right where people are willing to invest masses of massive amounts of money into cardboard because again a 20 percent increase is more than you can make on on a lot of different assets in this world so a small increase and then an offload yields to high uh, high returns. So it's, it's unfortunate that we kind of combine those worlds of, of the old school and the new school. But at the same time, you know, at, at least Pioneer is getting some some action, I suppose. Right. But 
the prices won't be here forever, and, and hopefully you've got most of these cards already. Yeah, for sure. And and, I, and like Chris is saying, there are still plenty of budget options. Uh, we've got the budget spreadsheet, which we've been having to frantically adjust. Um, and, you know, it's it's a shame, but you know what? We kind of expected this, especially when the the Pro Tour format got announced to be Pioneer. You know, we knew a lot of eyes were going to be on the format. I just think that the price hike uh, hit people a lot faster than we thought it was going to, especially with the fact that PTQ season doesn't start until June. Yeah, I think that, that um, yeah, and good point. I, I think that one of the things about it is too is that Pioneer is such a fun format, and so I think people are kind of discovering it, and so your hardcore grinders are just so excited they're going to buy these cards anyway. So, uh, and it's disappointing because we've always been a fan of the accessibility of Pioneer. It's one of our favorite things about the format. You know, well, you know, I own multiple decks, right? I certainly don't own or, or felt like buying multiple modern decks, especially as like a grown adult. It wasn't the way I wanted to spend thousands of dollars of my extra income, right? Like once you start looking at family or whatever else, for me, just don't have it. Like dropping thousands of dollars on multiple modern decks just isn't what you want to do. Whereas, you know, a few hundred dollars and you can have multiple Pioneer decks. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Like I don't want to downplay that this is disappointing for the accessibility of Pioneer, but, you know, in the long run, we know these prices are going to increase a little bit with the return to paper, but they will go back down. Trust us once the Pioneer season comes to a close or starts coming to a close and people start realizing, hey, the format is or isn't for them or they need to get the new cards for the next season. They'll look to offload your cards. And if you're a savvy dealer, you should be able to pick up these cards, uh, you know, to upgrade your decks you've been playing with for pretty cheap. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of players. You know, honestly, I'm uh, a little thankful for this because this just gives me an excuse to stop buying cards that I would otherwise be like, ah, you know, I think I could squeeze that, right? You know, yep. uh, there are a few decks that I just hadn't finished buying up. And now I'm just like, you know, maybe I don't actually need to finish Winota when I haven't gotten to play an event with like the last three paper decks I purchased. You know, I picked up the Rakdos cards, I picked up the Blue Eye Control cards. I just haven't had a chance to play them. I picked up hum- the pl- cards to play Five Color Humans. I just haven't gotten to play them yet. And so it's just oh, like, yeah. this is an excuse to pump the brakes for me, honestly. So uh, I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. I think I think there's some crazy things to me where like I'm looking at some of these price changes and I see like the Ozolith at $22 where I'm like, golly, that, that card was a solid $4 card for the longest time, I feel like. I and mean, then, not, well, you know, <laughs> that's, been a, that's been a commander push, honestly. That's, that, that well, been out there for and, a while. and speaking of which, same thing with Anointed Procession. Like I remember Anointed Procession being a dollar card back in the day. Like nobody cared. Yeah. And then I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, it doubles all tokens? Well, there's your commander, commander nonsense right there. So, uh, yeah. But obviously it could be a very good Pioneer card with the combos that it creates, um, or I guess synergies, really. But interesting yeah. for the week, I don't know if you saw this, Maze's End is up $10 on the week, it says. Ooh. We'll see how long that sticks, but that's pretty interesting to me. I think that Gates Control deck is really fun, and, and given that your other lands are Gates, right? Your, what yeah. is now $12 Maze's End is, I think, still a good purchase. Still totally fine. Well, also, Maze's End got a price bump because... In the Battle for Baldur's Gate Commander deck, there is a bunch of leaks, and there are new gate subtyped lands in that deck. Oh, there you go. In that set. Yep, see, I forgot so, what I was saying. We were talking about spoilers. Are we going to be talking about the uh, Baldur's Gate spoilers that got somehow leaked, <laughs> or the... Uh... Yeah. Man. Man, there was a whole time in history where professional players got banned for leaking the god book that they swear they denied they existed. Oh, for, uh, was it Mirrodin Besieged, or was it New Phyrexia? Yeah, it was one of those two. I think it was New Phyrexia. It was New Phyrexia. Those times are behind us, but at the same time, it's just interesting to think back where it's like, man, this was a big deal before. If they find out who did it, oof. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, are you ready to move from Pioneer Prices 
price hype to some just actual pioneer card hype. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's take a look at quickly. I'm going to run down the recent top eights from the weekend. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these because they are they're potentially going to be a big shakeup here in the meta here in a couple weeks with the release of new Capenna. But and for the most part, these decks are kind of the same. You come to know them, you kind of expect them. So real quick, I'm going to run through these top eights, and then we're going to go on to talk about uh, those two new excited decks I talk, I mentioned at the beginning of the show. On the Saturday Challenge, our eighth place is Azorius Control by Cure Katana. I wish I had the cure right now to what is ailing me. Uh, seventh place, we have McWin Sauce on Mono Green Devotion. Sixth place, we have Hero Sukai on Mono Blue Spirits. Fifth place, we have BLJ on, what is this, uh, Rakdos Midrange with the Blood Hall Priest Splash. Uh, fourth place, Wurzo Busex on Is It Control. Third place, we have Salmonator777 on our Rakdos. Was the sack? Yep, Rakdos Anvil. Second place, we have Seventh Prophet on Mono White Book. And first place, we have Sarlanga on Is It Control. Now, real quick, Chris, this was one of the decks I want to talk about, but we've seen a bit of a change in Is It Control dropping Days Undoing now for Collector Defiance. What do you think of that change? Yeah, I think that the um, that could just be a budget consideration or could just be more of, you know, the the options with Collective Defiance because obviously all those cards have modes, right? That's the idea behind yeah. them. So, like, I see the flexibility, you know, um, and I think that's kind of like a fun option. I do think that the double red is a tougher pickup. Like, the whole benefit to Days Undoing is that the mana is so much easier. But, you know, if you think your mana is that good where you can go double blue into double red, and, and it probably is, but again, I just think that if you're looking at a budget deck where that might be extra appealing to you, um, and again, maybe it's just better, right? Like, you get the extra modes. Like, I, I totally see why the wheel effect is there, but if you're looking at it because, like, hey, it's even just more of a budget-friendly option, that's going to be tougher if you don't have all the dual lands ever to go double blue with the Narset, obviously, is what you're expecting, into the double red. And otherwise, Collective Defiance doesn't seem that interesting, but... You know, hey, Collective Alliance has more modes. So I, the versatility is there, and that's why it makes Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. All right, real quick, moving on to Sunday's challenge. In eighth place, we have Fish Mesterino on Mono Blue Spirits. We have seventh place, Sick underscore Boy138. Hey, that's me right now. We have Rakdos Sacrifice with our Gigantes Companion. In sixth place, we have the OTB on mono white humans talk about a budgetless $150 $150 for a sixth place challenge deck that's pretty good there fifth place we have matthews 1993 on naya mid-range sorry our naya winona deck build fourth place we have bcs 8995 on that mono green devotion shell third place we have is a we have is a control played by the butter merchant and second place, we have Bullwinkle6705 on Hidden Shrinks. And first place, Tunak Tunak on our Yorian Azorius control build. Uh, so, Chris, anything uh, anything there that quickly stands out to you? Are you ready to talk about a couple deck lists real fast? No, let's go over whatever we're going to go with. I, I do want to point out that um, I think that we haven't seen the last of Expressive Iteration. I mean, unless they ban it, I think you're going to keep seeing decks with, with that card. Uh, it just keeps impressing as far as what it does i think unfortunately in the wrong hands it's really 
really underwhelming. A lot of people seem to want to be playing it on two instead of later in the game. And I think the one redeeming quality for that card is that it's just it's not as insane on on two because you're really wanting to obviously get that land drop on three or above or play multiple spells. So people are tapping out on two and then just getting run over when I really think you want to be solidly playing removal spells and draw spells. Saving that is more like a late game card draw spell, even though it doesn't have X in its mana cost. Little, little stuff there, but I do also like to see that aggro is back. I think there was a, it's reports of its death were hardly highly exaggerated. And I still just see tons of room for powerful creatures, especially ones that have, you know, resilience or um, evasion. There are so many in this format to, to come out and shine for sure all right well let's talk about a couple deck lists real quick uh firstly i want to talk about the sort of updated classic and that is we're seeing some changes in mono green devotion uh now we've seen the deck for a little bit now move over to kiora and move over to adding cavalier thorns to the main board here storm the festival but now we're picking up some fun in our sideboard uh because we found out that hey guess what card the great creator doesn't just tutor out of our board he tutors out of exile in general. Right. So we are now playing a one-of copy of Pestilent Cauldron, which of course has a is an artifact that says for tuna black, you get an artifact with tap, discard a card, create a one-one black and green pest creature token. With when this creature dies, you gain one life. For single mana and tap, each opponent mills cards equal to the amount of life you gain this turn. And then four mana and tap, you exile four target cards for a single graveyard and draw a card. But more importantly, with Pestilent Cauldron, it does have a backside being restorative burst for three green green. You can return up to two target creature, land, and or planeswalker cards from your graveyard to your hand. Each player gains four life exile restorative burst. So with card, card just says, hey, that sure, uh, that cauldron is sure there is an artifact in your, your sideboard. You want me to get that for you? You say, yeah, you know what, card? That would be great. And so uh, you then just so happen to find a way to either replay or, uh, you know, replace Karn and Akiura into your graveyard. You got some on the board, and uh, now you can start looping those bursts. Uh, it's a big mana combo for sure. So it requires, I think, 12 green sort like 12 devotions. Yeah, 12, 12 devotions, tw- the magic. 12 devotion. Mm-hmm. And so then Kiora, because you need to cast the burst. And you'll be able to cast Kiora and Karn. The Cure replays can rebuy and reactivate your Nykthoses. And then. I think it's Nykthoi. Uh, Nykthosai. Uh, and then, you know, Karn will help you rebuy back that burst, which, hey, it's an exile, so it gets the cauldron and loops that again. Every time you loop that, you're going to gain four life, which means eventually all you have to do is cast the front side of the cauldron, use that one mana ability and mill out your entire opponent's library. Now, I think what's great about this combo is it's not going to come up all the time, right? Like, that is not your main kill source here, mm. but it definitely makes for a big backup plan if you need to have, and if you just say, like, well, I have you dead this turn, or I need you dead this turn. You could find a way to make that happen. And then, of course, because Pestilent Cauldron cast for black, you're now playing goals in the sideboard to help tutor your one of Overgrown. Team. Yeah, I think that the... Um... Interesting about this is I watched Darth Jason last night play on uh, his Twitch channel and played a bunch of this. And in the league they went through, they did it about twice in the entire league. But that was, you know, the course of like eight or nine games. 
Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it, I think it broke down to like 15, 20 percent of the time. Like I did the math on how much it was relevant and it was like 15, 20 percent of the time. Like they they did that combo or had access to it. Right. So it wasn't relevant. I think it was more relevant, honestly, than Luris was in, in a great many games that I played, just how frequently it died. That was definitely more in the in the removal spell metagame. I think obviously when there there's not as many people playing removal spells that the Luris was better, which for a while they weren't. For a while, there were so many removal spells people just weren't playing them, which made sense on why Luris was so good. But here, I definitely feel like that combo has been surprisingly relevant. Again, you're not going to see it every game, even every other game. But one out of five, six games, that combo will just help you kill your opponent. Again, you might have won that game anyway, but it gives you like a loop that you can kind of demonstrate of like, hey, I've got your combo killed. There's no way that you can come back from this. Because obviously, you dirtle around a lot as mono green, right? Playing a lot of big stuff. Uh, doing a lot of derpy stuff and that's just a way to kill bugs dead so very true all right well now let's turn of course our attention to kind of the newest kid on the pioneer block with neo Macus combo which is of course a deck built around Velomachus, Lorehold, and neoform uh this deck reminds me a lot of the historic deck with Velomachus, which was casting all the time warp effects that got added to the format in historic uh, thanks to the Mystic Archives. So uh, the deck list is built around just a lot of cantrips that instead of uh, that will help filter a bunch of cards in your library. So you have cards like Contingency Plan, Consider, uh, Otherworldly Dream, Tygum Scheming. Again, just cards that dump a lot of cards in, into your graveyard. So you can delve out a Hooting Mandrels or a Tassiger, which you can then neoform off into one of your two copies of Velomachus. Uh, Velomox, of course, being one mana more than Tasker and Hooting Mandrels, which will only cost you hopefully a single mana with Delve. Uh, more importantly, though, uh, the Neoform gives your Velomachus a 1-1 counter, which means Velomachus hits the six power needed to cast cards like Karn's Temporal Sundering and Part of the Water Veil. That's it. So you can just start looping, and uh, as long as you don't whiff, you can hopefully kill your opponent dead off of those extra time walks and your big flying vigilance dragon. Yeah, this is a, this is a very cute combo. I haven't seen anybody that's played this for an extended period of time call the deck good, unfortunately. Um, but it is very cute, right? Like, it's very magical Christmas land. You get to kill people fast. You get to play a bunch of mill spells, which is interesting. But, you know, unfortunately, anybody who's played Winota or... Um, you know, any kind of like, hey, collected company, right? Anything like that where you look at the top six, seven, however many cards that you're looking at, uh, you know, unfortunately, you realize that you got a lot of lands in your deck. You know, a quarter of your deck's going to be lands or sometimes less, sometimes more. And sometimes you're just going to miss. And then you look real dumb, <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately, if you don't hit those spells that you need or you hit a conglomerate of them and you can't cast all of them, you end up in trouble, and then not to mention that you don't do a whole lot before that. So, But it is a very fun deck. That's one thing about it, right? You're looking to mess around. You want to take it to a local metagame, and and again, you don't you don't have to worry about a whole lot. You play, you're playing a very linear strategy. So for that, I think the deck holds its worth. But again, unfortunately, this is not the, me- the next metagame-defining deck. Uh, many people have tested it, and unfortunately, not a lot of good news, players. Not a lot of good news. It's definitely under the right hands good enough to get the couple challenge top 16s it did, Mm -hmm. but I think it's definitely running into now that it's kind of a known thing at this point, and I just don't know how the deck beats a Dovin's Veto 
Yeah, no, again, there's just not, there's not much you could do, right? You get spell pierced, you get, uh, you know, cranial extraction or anything like that, right? You just, you don't have much of a blackout plan, at least right now. Yeah. All right. Well, there is that. Are you ready to sort of just finish the final blitz through new Capetta spoilers before I die here? Let's do it. Where we, where we start. All right. Uh, real quick, I think we are, we're, we kind of finished off on the 12th. Uh, but there were a couple of cards we missed that I definitely wanted to talk about. I don't think we talked about Void Rend, which is the Esper uh, instant. Kind of each color combo has its own kind of removal setup here. Uh, Void Rend casts for an Esper. It's an instant. This spell can't be countered, and you destroy target non-land permanent. Uh, this is one of those cards that makes really wonder, hey, is a non-counterable Vindicate uh, enough to make Blue Light Control go Esper? And honestly, you know, at first I thought maybe... Uh, but I, at this point, I don't know. We'll see. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, you have so much powerful effects. Things like if you wanted to play Esper, you just play Vanishing first, right? Like, there are so many good other cards that, that do this kind of effect. Like, I, I think it could be in some sideboards. I think there are definitely some reasons to go Esper, um, especially now that the mana is going to get a little bit easier. And, you know, black is obviously powerful. Like, black is obviously the control mirror breaker when it comes to getting hand disruption. Right. Because not only do you get to take something for their hand most of the time, but just that information was so key. Right. The the information of what am I playing around for my opponent? You don't have to do the guesswork because sometimes your opponent's just holding all lands. And if you know that you can start applying pressure, use the few resources they have and then out pressure their resources. So that's one of those things that, you know, black can give you that. And this is just an offshoot of the benefit of playing black It's like, well, now at least I can handle your wandering emperor or your big Teferi, or whatever it might be without having to be afeard of anything. So I, I could see it. I think if blue-white control gets powerful enough, this will be strong. I think that if mono-blue aggro, you know, gets strong enough, this will be one of the answers that you could potentially play just to stop any, you know, spell pierce or whatever shenanigans. But, sure. you know, uh, other than that, I think this is a card that if it's cheap enough, I, I do want to pick some up. I don't think in and of itself it is enough to play black. I think that's a fair set. For sure. Um, what do you think of – let's move on to our next day because I think that's kind of it on the 12th I want to talk about. We covered most everything else the day uh, on last week's episode. So moving up to spoilers for the 13th. What do you think of big scores? Is this enough to supplant uh, a card we haven't seen in a little bit of a while in Unexpected Windfall? Where do you think this fits into those kinds of oh, uh, the yeah. red discard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To... Hold on. This this is the, this is literally just unexpected windfall, but it costs one less red, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, big score. Here it is. Ah, man, you know I love these cards. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to ask me about these cards because, you know, you know how long the storm is. The storm. Yeah, it's a thousand years. It's a thousand years. That's how long the storm is. And every time I see this, it gets easier and easier. And then every time I see more cards like this, I'm just like, man, like, I don't know. Like, I'd also just like the ramp effects, right? Like, now if you really thought that that five five Niv Mizzet, the not you know the not six six one, the not five color one was the way to go, like it's just so easy to ramp now, right? Like, they really want you to to do some ramping in your red decks without giving you broken ritual effects. You know, this is clearly a like, hey, you have to get to four mana first, but then you can have a big pop off turn later. Between this. Um, 
Prismari Command is the card I'm thinking of. I want to say like Prismatic Vista, but Prismari Command yes. is the other command that like, hey, is a cheap one to make a treasure. So, you know, I'm going to mess around with it. I do think it's definitely worth noting because it does definitely makes it even easier. And and this gets you to your, you know, my favorite card in the format right now, which is Holebreaker Horror, which is slowly also picking up in value. If you haven't gotten yours, grab at least a couple. They're, they're definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. That's for sure. You know, I'm going to be playing this. Yeah, for sure. All right, what else you got? What else you got on this day? Um, on this day, I don't have a ton. Did we have any community um pickups that they really wanted us to do? I think we have a really big card to talk about here in the uh potential, I guess you could say, return in the swag dad with Workshop War Chief, our kind sure. of drag test successor. Yeah, yeah. Uh three green green for a five three trampler. When Workshop War Chief enters the battlefield, you gain three life. So three life, not five. Okay. Uh, and when Workshop War Chief dies, create a four-four green Rhino Warrior token. So we get a five-three trample. Trample's new, right? Mm-hmm. That's been the swag to same stats. Uh, we only gain three life this time, not five. So whew, red players rejoice. You only get the token when he dies. So a downgrade because Swag Toss just said. Oh, did I leave the battlefield? Have uh, have a three three. I'll be right, right. back after you. Blink. You get it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Workshop War Chief also has Blitz, which means for four green green, we can cast or it's Blitz, which is that Blitz cost. It gains haste and also says when this creature dies, draw a card and you sack it to be the next end step. I think a lot of players before Workshop War Chief and some of these other bigger Blitz cards really miss the fact that. If this if these die for any reason, if you blitz them, sure. you draw a card. So you just sack and of it, course, right? You just sack it, right? right. Uh, so even if it doesn't die in combat, if you sack when you sack the end of the turn, it's gonna replace itself. So which I think is big, right? Like for a raid variant, right? You know, with raid, the creatures go back to your hand. This time you sack it, but you draw something new in its place. And you know, I talked about the Splinter Twin variant last week. I think this card, there's one more card with Blitz I'm excited to talk about, but wow, is this card amazing in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I think that um, six mana is a lot, and I think for, again, seven mana, you could just pretty much be winning the game by casting uh, bigger, better creatures, or, you know, there's so many things this has to go up against, and I don't think that pioneers real issue right now is is lack of threats it's, it's how good that the answers are like I, I agree that there's like maybe not a ton of reanimation targets but this kind of fits right in in my opinion with some of the other cards that are are just really big strong creatures you know you already got big daddy gargs and that card's not seeing a ton of ton of play so uh, i i see the appeal like i really do like i think that six mana it can trips it comes into play as a five three trample haster that gains me some life and leaves behind a four four even there's a lot to unpack there but i i do think that like i guess i'm playing it in jun sack like i don't know like i just don't know where all i'm going with this is the only thing and and it's still got you know i have to have six i have to have double green so if maybe some kind of jun sack decks wants this okay but otherwise like i think people are just going to stick with their cavalier or their whatever else they're going to i mean i think the big thing with this is that like unlike garg's right that six mana isn't there to be the per, the primary casting us. I think you're just playing this guy out as a five mana five three right mm-hmm. um, with just some upside if he gets taken off the board. Uh, I think the the blitz here is kind of the gravy on. Oh, opponents tapped out. Great top deck. Just kind of clinch the game out for you. Sure, I could see that. It's just like it's a, just a value creature that uh, that I'm just willing to pay five for. 
Um, I, I really love that blitz just because, you know, I want it to replace itself for the six mana. Like I, I definitely want to pay the extra mana for the card because uh, like I said, I think a lot of the time your opponent might have trouble removing this anyway. So like, if that's the case, you definitely want to be killing it yourself, get your damage in and then have it replaced with the four, four. Uh, I don't like that the four, four doesn't have trample that it leaves behind, but maybe again, maybe that's just too strong. Uh, but yeah, you know, hey, I think it's, I do think it's a strong card. I definitely think it has a lot of potential. You know, I definitely think there's reason to be excited about this card, but I am a little skeptical on its applications. Yeah, for sure. I could see that. Um, we have the red and black cards of the single color hate cycle. So whack, three and a black, it costs three less if it targets a white creature. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until end of turn. Pretty solid rule. I think so far, the white and the black one, I really like them for just being good removal. Uh, then you have Torch Breath X in red. Uh, the spell costs two less. If it targets a blue permit, it can't be countered. Deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. So being able to just kind of fire breathe off a planeswalker, I think is great. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when if it's a blue planeswalker, right? It's just an uncountable shock to a planeswalker that on itself could just be pretty good. Oh, I think I think this card's pretty big. I really do, actually. I I don't know how how relevant it's going to be, but this has got to see play on your sideboard to some extent. I mean, it just it can't be countered, and like it finishes off a planeswalker, like you said, is, is the huge thing, right? Like you don't necessarily care about it killing creatures. You're probably not going to have enough mana to kill a relevant creature, but being able to finish off something is is going to be real important. And again, wandering emperor. Uh, is is where this card isn't the best because you know you're probably gonna be able to kill that anyway where they're gonna flash it in and they're probably not gonna have a ton extra mana up but for some reason they did it takes care of a, a little bit of that problem but i'm with you i think this card is is an important part probably one of the best ones of the cycle for sure the red one and and the fact that it finishes off planeswalker is huge 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 for sideboards yeah. against control all right moving up to the 14th oh i have one i have one oh. card that i recently read I didn't read it oh. before, but I read it today when I was looking and I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was somewhat cute. What is it? A corpse explosion. Okay. Corpse explosion is one colorless red and black for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast a spell, exile a creature from your graveyard. Uh, corpse explosion deals damage equal to the exiled card's power to each creature in each planeswalker. You know, as an emergency button, I can think of a pretty big Titan that's red and black that is not going to be the end of the world, especially because a lot of times you find yourself milling multiples to the yard. That's just going to nuke the board. So I, I do think this is an interesting card just because I think that some of these sack decks uh, are weirdly like not as good against like just other like go wide or other super strong decks. So as much as you have targeted removal, you kind of depended on young uh, young pyromancer to go wide and hope that would kind of be enough to block a lot of times it was but as we're finding these grindier matchups i do like this is a quick reset button that you could definitely play in your sideboard when you need to be more controlling i think this really allows you to shift really well into that and it you know lets your deck do what it already does so any of those like hey red black mills decks that were kind of previously popular this might be your mirror breaker if you uh, to stop some of the more modern red black decks or slide it into your you know more modern red black deck playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker or whatever it might be. But just I thought it was worth mentioning. Sure. That makes sense to me. All right, ready to move on to the 14th. Let's now? do it. All right. Uh, I want to talk about slip out the block slip out the back for a single blue you can instant put a woman counter target creature. It phases out. So uh, you know we got another version of our kind of single blue protection spell here. This time we get a one one counter permanently. What do you think? Yeah, I I typically like the whole you know gets hexproof type situation, um, but you know one one a plus one plus one counter is is definitely one of the best stat effects that we've seen. Obviously, the counters remaining has been a have been a lot more popular, but 
Um, you know, one thing that I have liked about my my dive downs is it allows my creature to block, uh, which is not always relevant, but I have liked it. I have liked the plus zero plus three normally being pretty important. But, you know, if you're just turning creature sideways, you didn't want to block anyway. Right. So sure. I, I could yeah. see this being good. All right, what do you got? What do you got? Um, I think the interesting one, just because uh, Claudio was was trolling about it, was Meeting of the Five. Oh, the bad myth. Yeah, yeah, but this one, it, it does a lot. And this one, I almost don't even want to read, because it's going to take me 20 minutes to read it, but here we go. <sighs> okay, it is three colorless plus Wooberg, so one of each color. So that means you're paying eight mana total, right? Is my math good there? It is. I went to public high school again. So, all right, this card's a sorcery. Uh, exile the top 10 cards of your library. You may cast spells with exactly three colors from among them this turn. Add double of each color to your mana pool. So you add white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green to your mana pool and spend this mana only to cast spells with exactly colors. But we've obviously seen cards like this be very strong in the past. This is definitely a meme card, but, you know, you can cast an ultimatum with it for the most part, right? You need like one extra mana because yeah. it costs three of some things. Like you get, you know, whatever ultimatum from the top of your deck that you want to cast, you can cast it as long as you have nine mana total of whatever required color, uh, or, you know, one extra mana of the required color or whatever you might be doing. So, you know, if you do flip a couple of the charms, you might be able to cast them, right? If it's one of each, it allows you to cast two of whatever charms that you find. And and that could not be. I don't know. It was just an interesting pickup. It's definitely a, a garbage card, but the brewers out there are are thinking about it and and looking at the card advantage. Fair enough. All right, I want to talk about endless detour uh, for a single for uh, the cost of Bant in an instant. Uh, with you get an instant with the owner of target spell, non land permanent or card in a graveyard puts it on top of their library. Now I know I said does void render does void rend make control go esper does endless detour make control go bant because i'm thinking here right like we get a little love uh, delay counter spell here we can bounce something or we can buy back our wrath which would be pretty important what do you think yeah i think i think this card is is definitely like more of a funsies card because i definitely think you know green and blue have that mill a mill theme going along with it so when this card isn't at its best it's still much more flexible and the text matters more, right? Than each case of like, hey, getting something back, I think is way more important than the, hey, you can't counter this. Uh, otherwise, you could have just played a much cheaper removal spell for the same thing, especially in Esper. Like if you were going to play black, you had access to all these removal spells anyway, right? So like Esper just isn't, you know, it doesn't do it or Void Rand doesn't do it for you. This card, I, I still know that it's as good because obviously the direct removal is so important, but it's certainly more interesting. Um, you know, it, it's not the, it's definitely not as good of a removal, but the, the secondary use case is so much more important. Like you definitely could be wanting to buy back things, you know, non-land permanent so we can get planeswalkers back. Right. Um, or it says any card in a graveyard, right? Yeah. So any card in a graveyard, wow, I'll confuse that real quick. So any card in a graveyard, so we can get spells back, whatever, like you said, wrath, I'm just tired tonight. So I'm not thinking straight, but. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that secondary use case is is important and it has me interested. And obviously, Bant is so much more uh, rampy, right? Like you, you've got so many more ramp spells, you've been playing so many more cards uh, that I do think that this card has its place there. But is it going to make me want to add green? Probably not. I think it's more just a fun card. If you were going to be playing uh, Bant already, I think you definitely would want to be playing this as like a distraction. But even like over blue green flash, I'm not sure that I'm convinced enough to add white. 
I think if anything with some of the other cards I've seen in the set, you might want to just stick to blue black flash now. For sure. All right. What else you got? Um, in this one, there's just a lot of goofy cards we could talk about, right? Um, yeah. Even the score is is somewhat cute. You know, we've got effects like this kind of anyway, but this is kind of a straight a straight upgrade. And even the score is X and triple blue to draw X cards at instant speed. So you know, hey, if you weren't playing white for whatever reason, here's your version of that. Um, but what is uh what does it do though? Yeah, besides besides that. The spell does cost triple blue less to cast if an opponent has drawn four or more cards this turn. So then you just pay X to draw X cards if your opponent is a Phoenix player. That's right. So Phoenix did not have uh, have enough hate already. Um, other than that, I mean, you know, there's a new clone effect. Anything else you particularly uh, saw from this particular day? Yeah, I think the other really blitz creature I'm interested in is also in this day. In Tenacious Underdog, one in a black for a 3-2 human warrior uh that uh, also has blitz for two black black and pay two life but he also says you may cast Tenacious underdog from your graveyard using its blitz ability yeah that card's pretty strong isn't it yeah so it's another recursive threat for the mono black cat if you will uh that in this case doesn't require another creature to be exiled to use it right so you have um uh, what is it? Scrappy Scrounger requires another creature. Right. No, yeah. You're not exiling things. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Croxa, right? You've got to, uh, you got to exile, what, five? Five or six other cards? Yeah. Yeah. But I, also, I was thinking of this in mono black terms, right? Like, sure. Blood or Bloodsoaked Champion requires another creature to attack to buy it back. Um, Dread Wandering, you have no cards in your hand to buy it back. Here's just a, a version of this effect that just needs itself in the graveyard no i think that i think that you're exactly right i um yeah the backside of this card's pretty insane and don't forget when you blitz it you get to draw a card yeah <laughs> like so not only do i get to cast it from my graveyard for no real reason but if i do i get to draw a card like bye bye loris right like i don't know here's this thing this thing seems always good like you know yeah. obviously it's gonna die pretty easily but they spend removal on it like they better have the magma spray if they don't exile this thing they're in trouble What's this card yeah, pre-ordering for? This card's actually really good. <laughs> I actually like this card uh, a lot. Yeah, give me give me one yeah, second. Yeah, I'm telling you what, like live brewing here. This card's actually very good. Like, I think it's, uh, this is another card that really, really does bring aggro back, like, a lot, actually. Jacious Underdog is currently on Card Kingdom for 150. Jeez. Like, yeah, like, I think this makes mono black aggro something again, right? Yo, I hadn't seen this guy's alt art yet. Yeah. Yo, the alt art is dope. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. I- I'm definitely excited for this. I-, I definitely see the cases. Like, you're definitely just going to play it as a as a two-mana 3-2. I think your problem there is, like, it's it's just not that good. Like, there's so many good two-mana cards out there right now that do so much that maybe you're not as excited. But, you know, and you already did have, like, some scrapping scrunch effects. But, like, I- I'm way more excited for this. Like, you know, you always were playing like Rankle and stuff like that, which I wasn't a big fan of on four anyway. You'd much rather be playing four for this to like draw you cards and and get stuff back. I guess your big problem is it's not developing your board, right? Like Rankle sticks around, um, but you know this this is a good card just to incidentally have. And again, if you're if you were looking to do like more of an incidental mill type strategy, this is here. So sorry to go off so long on this, you know, given that I I hadn't actually read this card clearly enough before, but this card's definitely exciting. Yeah, I love this card a lot. 
Uh, if you want to talk goofy cards, I love Titan of Industry. Four green, green, green for a 7-7 seven, seven reach trample elemental. Yes. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, choose two. You can destroy target artifact or enchantment. Target player gains five life. Create a 4-4 four, four green rhino warrior creature token or put a shield counter on a creature you control. And it's just a big, dumb transformer building punching you in the face. Yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's a giant creature with reach and trample, right? So it blocks it blocks Phoenix size. And uh, that's my joke. I'm just going to do that all night tonight on, on mispluralizing cards. But, uh, yeah. you know, it blocks, uh, blocks Phoenixes all day long, which is a big deal because, you know, especially with like, you know, Phoenix becoming more of a combo deck where it's trying to copy the uh, Temporal Mastery, right? Or whatever that card's called, but let's just take extra turns. Um, that could become relevant. And also, like, what is it? Windfall Primus, like, comes into play and destroys a non-land permanent that people are super, people, like, playing all kinds of sideboards. This just, you could play on the main board because it just can gain you five life or get you a 4-4 and a, a Divine Shield counter, essentially. But, you know, if you need to gain life against red, which there's still going to be plenty of mono red decks running around, it's there. If you need to destroy a problem, artifact, or an enchantment, it's there. But in the main board, you know, you're happy just to choose, like, the last two modes, really. Or the middle two, even, and just get your Rhino and your other thing and just create a massive board. So there's definitely a market for this card, you know? I, I like this yeah. probably... I still, as much as people playing the Green Cavalier, I haven't been super impressed with it. Obviously, the, the big deal with the Green Cavalier, I think that it gets you Nykthos because it gets you lands, right? And it also gives you three Green Pips, which, I mean, this guy does too. This guy does also. I guess I just don't remember. I'll have to look uh, real quick whether or not... It gives you lands, yeah. Because it gets you only basic lands, though? Um, no, it should just be like I'm you just find them. Put a land card. Okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. So it, it gets you Nyctos, which is the big deal of Cavalier of Thorns, right? And, and that that fact yeah. is not lost on me. Because I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure I, I've seen that happen a lot. But at the same time, this guy uh, is more coverage, right? If you've already got your mana, this does a lot for you. So it's definitely a yeah. big dumb idiot to be that's you know noteworthy, I should say. Yeah. All right, well, we are time to wrap up because we hit our full spoiler day. And actually, there's only a few cards really left to spoil uh, but I think this this last full spoiler uh, has probably one of the most exciting cards in the set. Mm -hmm. uh, and I definitely threw a wrench into some plans we had because uh, this card got spoiled like as soon as like as we were typing up our, our, our doing our top picks article for the set. Uh, real quick, though, there is one other card I want to talk about. Before we talk about the most probably exciting spoiler besides Omnixilis in my opinion, and that is Goldhound. Uh, for a single red, you get a 1-1 Treasure Dog with First Strike and Menace and Sacrifice, and tap Sacrifice Goldhound, add one mana of any color. This card's dumb, and I don't I don't think I have much more to add. Like, I know I yeah. go, I, I have a tendency to just, you know, reminisce, go on and on about cards. This one, like, what do you want? First Strike, Menace, it's an artifact creature. Uh, pick up your copies, pick up your copies in foil and never let them go. This card's going to be doing something dumb in a you know local game store near you yeah all right well it's time to talk about our last and again probably one of the most spo exciting spoilers for this entire set in uh giada font of hope one in a white you get a two two legendary creature angel with flying and vigilance each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an additional one win counter on it for each angel you already control and giada also has tap add white Spend this man only to cast angel spell. So, real quickly, uh, we have a a mana dork in white for a very popular tribe that was already very fringe playable in the format, if not just playable outright. As a lot of people haven't played the deck, mostly because Resplendent Angel costs thirty dollars. Yep. Thanks, Commander. Mm -hmm. uh, um, 
But this Mandarin also has flying and vigilance, meaning it can get in the red zone and with evasion and be used as a Mandarin in your second main phase. Oh, and also, let me repeat that other ability. Each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an initial 1-1 counter on it for each angel you control. That means it's not getting just one counter. It's getting a counter for every other angel you control. So your first angel you play after Giada, it's going to get a counter. The second angel you play, well, it's going to get two counters if Giada and the other and the second angel are still in play. And it just goes on and on and on. This card is insane. This card is like they let the player that only ever plays angels at your local metagame who only ever goes 0-4 to design an angel, right? Where they were just like, angels are so bad, we need a two-drop that does all these abilities. And like Wizards was like on the same shady websites as that person or whatever happened, and they were like, wow, like, you know, uh, Big Dog for 2069 in, uh, you know, the middle of uh, Littleton, Arkansas, really wants this angel card printed. I think we should go for it. And here it is. Uh, like you said, I mean, you know, you just can't reiterate that enough times. This card is insane. It's just got so many abilities and, and it's definitely pointed towards Angel Tribal. So I'm not saying that it makes Angel Tribal a tier one deck, but if you could design a card, if you could design a card to make Angel Tribals playable, like, this is pretty close to it, right? I mean, let me be clear that I personally think that the like the Selesnia Coco Angel deck was already pretty darn playable in the format. Now, it definitely has problems with control, right? Uh, but when form, when the format is very aggro-heavy, the deck is just insane at just rebuying its life total. Right. Uh, and I yeah. think that, like... It, it, like I said, is it in a good place right now, meta-wise? Probably not. But pre-Lurks, I think is very aggressively creature-based. I think just Resplendent Angel being in such limited quantities in people in players' hands just held the deck back. And I just like, this card is insane. And like you said, this is just like, they went to an Angels player and said, what do you think we would have to print for the deck to be good, right? This just makes me really excited because one day that horse player is finally going to get their dream card. <laughs> yeah. Horse, horse guy is going to get the horse's card uh, beyond crested somewhere, right? Yeah. Something's going to happen. Yeah. We're holding out for you horses guy. We're, we're, we're on your team and we're riding right alongside you waiting for that horse's card so that we can also play horses with you in pioneer. I know that they play mostly modern, but uh, we're, we're here for you, Horses Guy. They turned that community from absolute total garbage fire dumpster with how, like, it just dumb and rude that community was into uh, a wholesome, nice little spot. So we're out here for you, Horses Guy. You know who you are. So, uh, yeah, same. Whoever Angels Guy was, though, unfortunately had more money. And so he was able to uh, he was able to put the money in the right hands, in the right pockets, if you will, to uh, to get the Angels card printed in. Like I said, I just don't know what else can be said about it. Like I said, you get to attack with it and then still get to do its mana ability. And it just makes you wonder what they were thinking when they printed base camp. You know? Hey, that's that's fixed now in history. It's alchemy. fixed now in alchemy. That's right. You play your alchemy cards, guys. But uh, yeah, I, it's just so funny that this is like you get to actually do it all. Whereas like a base camp where the whole mechanic was based around the set versus like some fringe rare in the set. Because the whole point of the set is like angels are dead. You know, the demons won the war. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm hyped for this set. I don't think it's pre-ordering high enough. 
but obviously, you know, the deck's not not super tiered, but I'm definitely going to pick me up a set of this and my little uh, my little street brawler guy down there in black and and be happy with my cards. For the- yeah, I mean, what do you think overall? I mean, I think overall, yes, the set is less powerful than the last several sets we've gotten, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because, again, Pioneer is going to start hitting a, a set count where not everything needs to impact the format, right? Yeah, like I, I remember seeing a box that had launched the fleet in it and going like launch the fleet is like a 10 cent card or something. And and you look at just some of those cards that were so powerful. It's just it's nice to not have to keep up every single time. Right. Yeah. And obviously Obnixilis is, is potentially format warping. So that's concerning. Uh, whereas the rest of the set doesn't feel like it adds enough power level to combat that. So I kind of wanted to go one way or the other where it's like add some new decks to the format every set or every other set or or don't but i have no complaints i think this is a fun set i think that they've done some cool things flavor wise halo is obviously weird but hey here it is and there's a couple cards i'm really excited for you know it, it definitely reminds me i was talking with claudio in darth jason's chat i'm not cool enough to talk directly to claudio obviously but he was like hey i, I definitely agree i was talking about where we thought the, the set was power live power level wise as a group and claudio chimed in and said yeah you know i think it's kind of on par with innistrad and i think it's a little worse but i do think that you know after Neon Dynasty, where there were so many playable commons, uncommons, things like that that you kind of wanted to get and potentially get in foil, this is a nice yeah. like come off of that, right? And again, there there's some cards I'm real excited for. So I, again, I like it. I think Paper Magic's been fire for the last few sets. Yeah, and I think honestly, like what you're saying, right? Like I'm down for sets just to have one or two cards for me to pick up because I've after Neon Dynasty where. I bought so many cards from Neon oh Dynasty. Oh gosh, it's the lands, be, the planeswalkers, it, right? Like the it, ninjas. It is great. It is great to just be like, yeah, you know what? I'll need to buy maybe some triumphs to finish up some decks there that maybe want triumphs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just need some Omnixilis. Maybe I'll pick up some Giadas. I'm done after that. Right. Get your Giadas at home, you know? Yeah. It's just like, and it's great. And I, I can't stress enough how much I loved the flavor of this set. I think like... As I said in the little collab article we put up on playing Pioneer, some of our shared thoughts on the set, um, we we got to see a little taste of Magic going a noir theme with the Demir in the last Return to Ravnica. So getting a whole set out of that was great. Um, I think it went a little more goofier than I was hoping it went, uh, but overall I don't hate it. I loved a lot of what we saw, you know, and I think the set just is great. I think it's fun. I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to get my hands on it. And that's, that's all I want out of a magic set. Yeah. And and I think about it like flavor wise, like you do have to kind of take a playful, a playful angle on, Hey, all the demons kill all the angels. Otherwise you're going to have some upset Karens out there, you know? Yeah. You you definitely have to be careful on how you do that. So I think they did it a fun way. I think that, you know, this is kind of like, cartoony version of batman versus like brooding version of batman type situation and and i think they did a good job i think that the set's been fun so far i've liked some of the flavor some of the set looks pretty cool as far as what they've done so you know again like i said no complaints a couple of really cool cards i gotta pick up that aren't exceedingly expensive with the exception of obnixilis and uh well done you know time to move on to spoilers next week for uh for what is the new set um dominar united oh no 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 sorry i was thinking like the new D D set Oh, well, that's Commander Legends, Com- That's too. right. Commander Legends Electric Boogaloo, right? Yeah, yeah Baldur's enough. Gate. Right, Baldur's Gate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, speaking of Omnixilis, uh, I'm going to put this out there for our podcast listeners. Look, I've got an event release weekend, and I am scouring and going every avenue possible I can 
to uh, pick up some Omnixilis. Um, so if you're a podcast listener and open an Omnixilis this pretty weekend, send me a DM. Let's talk business. I uh, I need some Omnixilis for that release weekend event. Thank you for saying it correctly. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, buddy. Anything uh, anything else before we sign off here? No. Thank you for sticking with us uh, through this. Yes. Uh, I Again, <laughs> I if you're still here, sorry. this is for you, dog. I, I am sorry I sound so nasty, but this podcast has to get done, uh, and uh, I, I muted a lot of the of the uh, the nose blowings. So no, true, true. I mean, if I will, if we don't meet our, I will clean this up as much as possible, and hopefully, I don't sound as bad as I think I do. If we don't meet our contractually obligated time, we don't keep that Olive Garden sponsorship that we obviously have. So. That's right. Make sure you tell your waitress to use promo code Crew Three at checkout. <laughs> For zero money off your bill. <laughs> so that you can pay regular price for unlimited soup and breadstick. Wait. And the, the waiter, and I promise you, your waiter or waitress will ask, what? What? No, we don't, but is Pepsi okay? <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyway, Chris, where, I also, real quick, I want to thank all the patrons for supporting us, who do actually support us and give us a bit of a sponsorship. That's right. uh, you're awesome. And swag bags for this month will be in the mail this weekend so be on the lookout next week for your swag bag mailing now i can say it won't be as stonks as the uh fable of the meal break mirror break from last month oh my gosh i bought those like right for the price hike heck yeah so you're welcome patrons that's right (laughs) um but it's still gonna be a fun one so we're relevant card for the format as always so and it should be a lot of fun i hope you all enjoy that Patreon.com slash Crew3MTG to hit that swag bag tier. If you don't want to support that much, or just want to help us out regardless, we have a couple other tiers available with some great rewards in their own right. But for social media, Chris, where can our listeners find you? Hey, you can find me uh, on the tweeters at uh, it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no. And of course, you can find me at our main Twitter page at Crew3Podcast. And uh, unfortunately, I was hoping to get back to streaming this week, but of course, as you could tell, I was sick, so that didn't happen. So I'm hoping streaming weekly will resume here shortly uh, when I can pull myself together enough to get that going. And the VODs, of course, will be up on Twitch and YouTube, Crew3MTG on both of those. Pioneer Progression Series, Theros came out over this last weekend, so get ready for Born of the Gods coming out next weekend as that is a bi-weekly series with myself and Ricky. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff coming on. If you're in the Discord, you know something we're going to be doing this summer, but I've been told I can't really announce that anywhere, but our little community Discord just yet, so keep your ear out to hear where we are going to be coming to you uh, later on this summer, and I'm super excited for it. We'll talk to you all next time. Thank you again for sitting through this very sick Ruckman episode of Crew 3. Talk to you next time. Bye.